I think a lot of people have this misconception or this idea that once you have a kid, your life is kind of over as you know it. And I think that it's actually quite the contrary. Like your life's just beginning. Um, and you kind of learn to kind of parse out what is important and what is kind of really, you know, wasteful. everywhere navigate this new stage of life and to talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger and photographer by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. So, new mamas, let's do it. Let's kick off the episode and get to the good stuff. Hello, everyone. We are just two episodes out from ending season one of New Mamas Podcast. Thank you all who have been there. If you've been here from the beginning, it's been really awesome to take you along on this journey. If you just tuned in for the last few episodes, I'm excited to welcome you. Season two will be kicking off pretty fast. We're not going to be taking much of a break. I think we're going to be taking two weeks off of uploads. But yeah, so this is the second to last episode of season one. And I'm pretty proud of the fact that we've been live for almost nine months and have always had a weekly upload. So today, to honor the ending of season one, I wanted to bring a special guest on the podcast, my husband, John, to talk about our learnings as parents over the last 15 months. Welcome! Thank you. you. Do you want to kick things off by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, so my name is John. Uh, I am a New Jersey native, born and raised here. Went to Berkeley, moved to Boston, stayed in Boston for a while, stayed there for graduate school. And while I was there, I met Lena. And we got married up in Boston. And we lived there for for many years before moving abroad. Now that we're back in New Jersey, and we moved out of Massachusetts, we bought a small farm. And on the farm, I run a recording studio. Um, I'm also a music teacher. I teach orchestra and guitar and music production. And then I also do a lot of videography work for, for different companies and myself. So um, kind of always doing something and always always kind of running around. Yes, always staying busy. And John and I met on Tinder. Yep. We found love in a hopeless place, as I tell everybody. That was our joke. I mean, he was on Tinder only because he didn't want to be on Plenty of Fish. Was that right? Because you didn't want to run or swipe into your ex-girlfriend or something like that. Something like that. I can't remember now, but yeah, something like that. I just remember that was like the justification we had to give for being on Tinder because it was at the time known as this big hookup app and we were both not into hookups. So it was just, it's funny. It's just funny knowing who we are as people that we like met on Tinder. It was was interesting. (laughs) Well, we did it. And I want to kick things off today by let's just get right into it. What has been the biggest shock to you about becoming a parent? I think suddenly like the abrupt change that happens in your mind where you you kind of switch gears and and kind of everything in your life suddenly in the back of your mind you're always making decisions um 
kind of with them in your mind, you know, and you're always kind of thinking about them. You're always kind of daydreaming about them. They're just kind of part of who you are all of a sudden. And I know I've had friends that have had kids before me and, you know, they've said, oh, I sold off everything that I did for fun and all my luxury stuff or whatever, you know, to, to pay for the kid. And I mean, I think that we still very much dabble in our passions and our hobbies. I mean, I know I do as I'm sitting and looking around a room full of equipment, um, recording equipment, but I think every decision you make is is somehow kind of based uh, around your child. Yeah, that's a good, and that's a good point about having hobbies. Like, I do think it's important to maintain a bit of a part of yourself when you do become a parent, because you're you're right. Your life literally revolves around this tiny human being. It's so funny. Like, they're so little, but they command such energy and such. You know, they they command they command the day and they they command the structure of your day. So, looking around, you know, the room of equipment. I think it's important to have hobbies and to have this part of yourself. I feel like the biggest shock to me is I took on this responsibility of becoming a parent and then I still moved on to keep creating. I think what the biggest shock to me is that I've never felt more creative and more myself and more aligned with myself than when I had Archie. It's the we- it's honestly the weirdest thing. It feels like a part of myself was awakened like something that laid dormant for 30 years or however old I am I think I'm 32 <laughs> something like that yeah. um I don't know it just feels like that something that laid dormant just woke up and I just feel this fire to keep creating and to explore my passions and to keep telling a story and expressing myself through these different mediums whether it's photography or podcasting or blogging it's just been a lot of fun so thank you for bringing that up yeah, I think I think it's important not to lose sight of who you are when you have a kid or I think a lot of people have this misconception or this idea that once you have a kid your life is kind of over as you know it. And I think that it's actually quite the contrary, like your life's just beginning. Um and you kind of learn to kind of parse out what is important and what is kind of really, you know, wasteful or not purposeful like people that might not be important in your life anymore. And I'd say that everyone that's in my life now was in my life before it. And I'd say everyone's still important. It's just, I'm really bad at keeping touch with people. Sorry, everyone. So, um, <laughs> but that's been a I thing just, for you. For that's like been a ever. thing for me for, yeah. for pretty much my entire adult life. I just, I suck at, at keeping in touch with friends and people. It's just not something I'm really good at. If there was somebody in my life that I felt like I wasn't jiving with or wasn't connecting with I think that this this would probably be the time in my life that they would probably get cut out and I think that the things in my life that I would be doing that I wasn't passionate about this would be the time that I think I would kind of get rid of those things that I was doing I think I think having a kid makes you realize the time that you do have is precious and that you should value it uh, much more Oof, that is like the quote of the episode for sure, because it's it's true. I feel like before, I'll never forget, when I was telling my old VP I was pregnant, I remember apologizing, and that's like a whole other thing. Like I was, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm pregnant. I promise I still want to perform. I still want to achieve. I want to do great things. And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, she put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, I think moms make the best employees because they really know how to manage their time. And I didn't, 
understand that at the time because I was pregnant. But once I had Archie, it's true. I feel like if anything, I've had no choice but to hone my time management skills. It's not to say that I'm not like I'm definitely not perfect. And I could definitely improve in a lot of, you know, I could still I feel like be more productive or use my time wisely in different ways. But if I need to get something done, it gets done because it's almost like there's no choice. Like you have to get it done. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I still have days where I, you know, if I'm, I'm kind of just mentally checked out of whatever I'm working on, I could very easily get lost in the, in the depths of eBay or reverb <laughs> looking at used equipment. But I do think that, you know, gone are the frivolous days of like, oh, I'm going to go camp out for a pair of sneakers or, oh, I'm going to go and spend a ton of money on a leather jacket that I don't need. Uh, I think those days have, have come and gone. And these days I dress truthfully a bit trashier than I should, but I think that, I think that ultimately um, kind of your principles and your hobbies and everything start to align where if it's not kind of making sense in the kind of the broader picture of who you are as a person, then it kind of doesn't really... Once you have a kid, time management means, you know, not only for work, but just like managing the things that you enjoy doing. This could probably all get cut out, truthfully. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a good point. John used to be quite the fashionista. He used to wear Saint Laurent and like, I don't even know. that You, you liked more had, expensive had, brands than me. I had at one point like at least 130 or 140 pairs of sneakers. Yeah, I sold most of them. I still have a few. If anyone's looking for any mid two thousands Nikes, I probably have something that you're looking for. So, yes, that is John's guilty pleasure. You can connect with me on Lena's Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me on email. <laughs> we will we'll we'll drop your we'll drop ways to contact you at sure. the end. Okay, so what have you learned? Kind of along the same themes, what have you learned about yourself in the past year? specifically to having a kid no i mean originally when i wrote that question yeah but it doesn't i I mean i'm sure i'm sure it's i'm sure it's connected in some way but i guess like in the past year speaking from like i mean i think truthfully these days the only things that i do that we do i guess in some way is usually it's either i'm working or i'm sleeping or we're taking care of the kid or we're doing house stuff. And I know that sounds incredibly sad <laughs> and boring, but I don't think of it that way, really, because I enjoy doing what I do for work. And so I think like it gives me pleasure and enjoyment to, to sit in a studio and work with musicians. You know, I think that's something that I'm, I'm really grateful for. And um, so I don't really see it as a problem necessarily. Um, but I guess like in the past year, I have really kind of reignited a passion about nerdy stuff like equipment and so the hobbies such as recording or the career path such as recording kind of laid dormant for a long time and being able to put all my equipment into a space down here and start it up again has really kind of ignited something in me that I really really enjoy. Let's shift gears. When I was suffering from postpartum anxiety in the newborn phase like I was noticeably on edge. Did you recognize you? You definitely noticed I was on edge. I, I probably was a different person. But did you? Were you able to recognize the signs of anxiety? Did you notice I was maybe struggling with some sort of mental health issues related to postpartum, or like what? I think I didn't know it was called something like that, like postpartum, because I mean, if they didn't tell you about this. 
sure as hell weren't going to tell me about this because I mean, mm. you know, if, if they don't if they don't tell the the person going through it what it's called and how to identify it and how to address it, they're definitely not telling their spouse because I had no clue. I just assumed that you were going through something. I think I did notice that you were kind of more on edge, and I did notice that you were quicker to get upset about something or or be bothered by something. You know, there were times where you would say something and it would kind of take me back and go, oh, well, that's kind of a, a, a strange thing to say, you know, and I think it just, I noticed that I think you were going through something, definitely. Looking back, do you think you would have done anything differently in the newborn stage? It was a really strange time, and I think if I could go back and do things differently, I, I absolutely would. I think I wasn't as present at some points than I could have been and not, not because I was off, like, you know, going to like a bar at 2am or anything like no, that. No, I, no. Was, I was home. I was, John I mean, doesn't drink. I don't drink and, and <laughs> I don't do anything really. I drink coffee. That's like the worst thing that I do. And I think I definitely did spend a lot of time at Home Depot, which is a weird, thing. it's like, that well, sounds strange. You were you know? building for everyone listening, like, the built we were converting a barn into, into a, recording, a studio. recording studio. We were kind of like in the middle of like the heavy, heavy construction process and yeah. reframing walls and stuff and trying to finish it as quickly as possible because at the time I had probably applied to a thousand jobs and I'm sure many people know that last year when the pandemic thing happened, work dried up for just about everyone, so I was struggling to find work, and so the studio was going to be pretty much my main career at that time. So getting it built as quickly as possible was paramount, and maybe that partially overtook my responsibilities as a parent uh, at times. And so that's something that I do feel pretty bad for, uh, just the way that I handled it. Yeah, well, just reflecting back, like we were... Yeah, we were going through a lot when Archie arrived. Archie came in June 2020, so we were in the middle of the pandemic. John didn't have a job. He was still applying for jobs. I hated my job. So, and I only had six weeks of maternity leave. So between the studio build, applying for jobs, me having to come back to work, the pandemic, it was a lot of pressure all at once. So I think that probably contributed to the postpartum anxiety and I I feel like we just operated on survival mode we didn't really have a chance to like sit and strategize with each other like okay let's something's not working like that's what I think we were missing in that in our relationship at the time was almost that like come to Jesus moment of like okay something's not working we need to we need to re-strategize and rethink. But I think we were just in the throes of newborn life. Oh, and I had a really bad full body allergic reaction for eight weeks. So I was in constant pain. It was just crazy. So I think for so many reasons, I feel like we just really struggled during the newborn stage. But then we started to see the light around three months, I think. Once he started to become... I want to say self-sufficient, <laughs> but it's not like he's going to go downstairs and like make himself a burrito or something. But I mean, like once he started to become at the point where you weren't, he wasn't like made of glass, you know, and you were like afraid that every little thing would hurt him. You know, I distinctly remember one morning, it was like five or six in the morning and you were up with him all night. We were still at the time using our fold out mattress on our couch uh, to sleep on. We were sleeping on the ground floor of our house instead of in our bedroom. Dumb. Um, 
And I remember, I remember, I think, I don't know if your mom was here during that time. She might have been staying with us at that time, but it might have been just when I came back. I'm pretty sure right around that time, there was one, one morning where I was up at around five or so in the morning and you were still kind of with him, but you were falling asleep and you, you kind of pulled an all nighter. And so I took over with him and I remember kind of cradling him in my arms and I was sitting at the dining room table like checking my email and I like went to adjust him and like he bumped his little head like against my shoulder blade and I remember thinking like he was so tiny at the time and it was truthfully like he might have like not I don't say fell because that sounds incredibly not right but like he he kind of just like bumped his head and he maybe like traveled an inch or two like two inches three inches before he bumped his head and so it wasn't like he fell or anything like that it was really truthfully pretty insignificant but at the time I was I was so paranoid about hurting him that like I I immediately like called the doctor I called like the ER and I was like guys I was like I just bumped my baby's head he's only a couple weeks old like what do I do and they were like how far did he like fall and I was like we well, didn't really fall he was vertical and it was like maybe like two or three inches and like it really wasn't that much of a bump and I remember like talking about it and realizing like, wow, you are such an idiot. And they're like, I could hear the person listening on the other end. They're like, uh-huh, <laughs> he'll be fine, but monitor him. And if he doesn't seem fine, then we'll talk again, but he's probably fine. And like, I, I just remember at the time, just not, just not knowing like what's its limits. But I think once he hit a point where he was a little bit older and like a bump like that didn't you know, wreck your world, it became a little bit easier for sure. Yeah, maybe some of my postpartum anxiety rubbed off on you. Yeah, looking back, I think we were just, we really didn't understand that newborns, like while they are fragile, they're also not that fragile. So I think we'll have a better time second time around. And we'll get to that in a second. How do you think we could have better been supported during the newborn stage? Like, by other people outside of our relationship, or by each other? Mm, well, let's do both, okay. since you're bringing it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd say, I mean, I think our families have been pretty supportive. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, agree. I think everyone's family is just trying to look out and help mm-hmm. as best they can. And the way that they show that, I think, is just a matter of taking a deep breath and, and being open and thankful to the fact that they even want to try to help you know i think yeah. i think there are so many people in this world that have a kid and they don't have a, a support system or a, a family to fall back on and to to ever take that for granted is is really you know stupid uh even if you don't necessarily agree with things they say or things that they do you know i think that always having in you know the the back of your mind that like, well, you know, this could be a lot worse. Yeah. And I do know personally that a lot of people don't have their families around for one reason or another. They might not have a relationship with their parents and it's, it's hard. So you're right. I think I really do think like my postpartum anxiety kind of ruined the experience for me in that I wasn't able to get help or be supported because I just didn't trust anyone. Part of postpartum anxiety is feeling like it's you and your baby against the world. And that's so not true. So I think next, 
next time around, the way that I could be better supported is if you, my partner, can recognize the signs of postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression and say to me, like, point blank, you need help. I think, like, are you seeing a therapist? Would you consider medication? Because it really just is this chemical imbalance in my brain that makes my world totally irrational. Right. I mean, I think I think at the time I I guess I saw the signs, but I wasn't sure what to make of it or mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to express or communicate what I was seeing yeah. back to you in a way that didn't sound and I guess I was afraid of of sounding like I was being judgmental or harsh too mm-hmm. you know i think if you can't find the right words to express to somebody that you see they're going through something um sometimes it can come across as if you're being judgmental or harsh or mm-hmm. not being uh that you're kind of over criticizing them and i think that i think that it's always good to establish in your relationship like a like a not just like a modicum of respect but also just like an idea that no matter what comes out of your mouth even if it sounds harsh it's never meant to be yeah no and that's totally fair and valid and you know years ago we had seen a couples counselor Mm -hmm. and it was tremendously helpful in just almost giving us an appointment to talk about our issues or air out our issues And I feel like that's kind of what's missing today is that there's never a right time to communicate important issues. You don't want to do it in bed. You don't want to do it when you're with your kids. And during the day, you're both working. On the weekends, weekends are, you know, you're with your kid. And it's almost like there's like no, no good time. And you don't, and if you have like a Wednesday night together that you are watching TV, you kind of want to hang out and have fun in that moment. You don't necessarily want to bring up something that might be potentially heavy and like have just a lot of feelings. So I think moving forward, not just in baby number two, but even like now, and I think this is true for so many couples listening, is maybe finding a time, like almost penciling it in our calendars, like issues, not issues time, but like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like Like, your your weekly like check-in. Like a check-in. Yeah, like how are you feeling? Did how? I did I do anything this week that made you upset or did I did I forget to do something that I was supposed to that that ticked you off? Yeah, like did my tone like Yeah, is did, did something did I say something that was, you know, not out of step, but something that just kind of bothered you or rubbed you the wrong way? Yeah, I feel like maybe that would be and it doesn't have to be weekly. It could even be like bi-weekly, but that Yeah, yeah maybe that's something that I think would have been really helpful in the newborn stage and then just understanding how to communicate with each other like just like love languages people have different communication styles and communication languages so it's like knowing how to communicate with each other because I can take I can definitely take feedback and constructive criticism but I think we're both so John's an only child I'm a firstborn and we're both just highly sensitive so I think sometimes it can be really hard to communicate with each other I think I think also just like we we express support and love in a, in different ways. You know, I think I think growing up, my dad always kind of showed love by doing mm. by doing something by like you know like I mean whether it's like showing up unannounced and mowing your lawn, <laughs> you know, which is like the weirdest <laughs> thing, you know. But he would do that, and he's done that 
in recent times. Like yeah. he's just randomly appeared and decided to like weed whack or like trim edges or like bring over a pole saw and cut down branches on the tree that's growing too much. And like it's just like the the strangest way of showing love, but I mean, that's how he does it is like by by contributing to help you out in something that like you take for granted. And I think maybe sometimes I I've kind of adopted that not knowingly. Like when when Archie was first born, I I was a bit absent and I think like as time has gone on Today was an example where I kind of screwed it up, but usually I, I get up super early, I'll make his breakfast, I'll make a bottle for him, I'll put on laundry, I'll do the dishes, I'll clean the floor, I'll do the animals, I'll feed the dogs, I'll give the dogs their medicine, I'll try to do 10 chores before, you know, you get started with your day, and then this way you come downstairs and like hopefully his breakfast and lunch is already packed for daycare, you know, and then I'll pick him up and then one of us will either do dinner or clean up or bath time, you know? So we try to like juggle chores, but I guess my way of, of trying to show support is by doing, mm, you know, interesting. Um, which I think is something that I think is just, you know, a, a different way of communicating. I think sometimes you show love or you crave love through like time together, doing something together, even if it's not something necessarily, you know, work, <laughs> I guess, you know, like housework or something. But like, you know, I mean, I think we just have a different way of, of showing love sometimes. Yeah. And maybe understanding each other's love languages and communication styles can be really helpful. I definitely need verbal validation too. Like communication is huge for me. I don't, I just need to know. Like, I feel like I just need to know what's going on. If I don't know, that gives me, like, so much anxiety and it just, like, triggers me. So, I know that communication is a big one for me. And, yeah, quality time. Quality time is definitely one of my love languages. I learned, you know, I don't know if in the past it was always my love language. I feel like when you do have a child... Maybe some of your communication styles and your love languages change as, you know, as people. I mean, of course, I'm not the same person I was when I was 26 when I met you. I'm 30. Like, we're 32. We've been together. I can't do math. Six Six or seven years. Something like that. Six or seven years. Yeah. And it's, you know, my longest relationship by far. And we've gone through just literally like a life like a total life, like growth, seven, it's a growth stage. Like, seven exhausting years. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean like we never stopped doing something. No, we were always like traveling and exploring. I feel like we almost packed in like a lifetime together in just a few short years, which has been really great. But it's of course, it doesn't come with its challenges too, because when you're on the go, go, go so much, like you're traveling nonstop for two years, like you you don't really stop to have like a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. You're right. just kind of like in the, you're like living in the moment, which is so much fun. But then the real stuff does come out when you, there is a little bit of stillness. Yeah. So let's, I don't want to keep you too long. I know we're both really busy, but let's jump into another topic. Are you ready for baby number two? Right now? Definitely not. I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, but I think, I mean, I was up at six this morning and I spent two hours cleaning a barn, um, cleaning mm-hmm. up nails and screws so I could park a tractor in a barn because <laughs> it's been sitting in complete disarray for the past eight months. I think right now finding time to get mm-hmm. our lives, our personal and our material lives in order 
it takes a lot. We have, I mean, we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of hobbies. We have a lot of things. And yeah. we have a lot of material excess at this house, I feel like. Some of which is ours, some of which we inherited. When we moved in, we moved in, we bought the house. We, we not rushed to find a house, but, you know. Oh, no, we rushed. We rushed I was, to find a house. I was clarify i was pregnant living in an rv with four dogs so yeah. yes well, we, we moved back house. from we moved back from <laughs> thailand we lived in an rv in a backyard of my parents house with four dogs in an rv every day usually one got loose and went running through the neighborhood and i would be running in my boxers through people's backyards trying to catch yeah, it Yeah, or like me in a bathrobe like onto yeah. the golf course on a golf like course nude. screaming yeah so yeah. i mean there was that there was definitely a need for for finding and then on top of it you were pregnant so i think on on it with all that going on we rushed to find a house yeah it's um, looking back it was pretty insane actually yeah as has been pretty much the entire seven years of our relationship has always been like a get it done just go 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 yeah yeah and so we but we made it work you know we still haven't even fully unpacked from thailand like we still have three or four suitcases full of stuff that has been sitting for the past two and a half years but i mean like i think we just have a lot to still get Mm -hmm. to and i think it's not that i don't want the responsibility or i want the joy of having another kid i think i do someday soon but in the immediate future I'd love for us to get our lives to a point where I don't feel like we're tripping over <laughs> luggage from yes. two and a half years ago. I agree. And I, you know, obviously it's something that's on my mind because I'm I'm 32 and I had gestational diabetes. I, I don't want to have a high risk pregnancy. It's, it can be very scary. So of course there's of course the ticking, the ticking clock, but I agree with you. I think we're definitely on the same page there. I am not ready to be pregnant right now. I, yeah. And and for so many of the things that you mentioned, I want to get our, I want to turn our little house into a home. Like we haven't even had the time to really make it feel like home yet. We've, we're, we'll be there two years this December. So it hasn't been a lot of time, but also so much has happened between that time that we just really haven't had the time to dedicate to it to turning around and feeling like home. So I, I feel like maybe when Archie's two, so maybe June 2022, right? I feel like that might be a good time to start thinking about. Obviously, I I mean, see, this is this is me coming across as such a planner, too. Like, I need to know, like, okay, we will get off birth control April and then we'll start trying and then we'll probably get pregnant in June. Right. I'm like such a planner in that way that and maybe that's something I could be better at is maybe being a little less planned. Well, I think I think things like that you have to plan for. I mean, you have to try to plan for it as best you can, you know, I mean, because it's, it's a big undertaking. It's expensive. You have to not only prepare for a kid, but you have to prepare for the nine months of things leading up to the kid that might significantly impact your everyday life. Yeah, it sounds like it would be over. Obviously, if if it happens, then it happens and it's and, fine. And we'll I'm figure sure, it out. And but- I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will, you know. No, I'm I mean, like, if it happens, like, accidentally. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that, that happens sometimes. <laughs> if Sorry, it happens, Archie. Yeah, Archie, you were, like, planned, not planned. You were, yeah, you were, you're you were sort like, of planned. You were, didn't, um, didn't think it would happen so fast. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so I'm glad that we're on the same page there. I agree. Now, to finish off, I want to ask one last question. What do you love most about being a dad 
I mean, I think I just, I, I, like, the other day, was it yesterday? Might have been yesterday, actually. Like, I woke up basically falling off the bed. We have a king-size bed. I still fall off of it all the time because Archie likes to sleep sideways. And so he basically stretches himself out as much as possible so that she's on one end, and I'm usually falling off the bed as if... I'm falling off, too, just on the other side. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, you know? I mean, to the fact that a king-size bed can't hold two people plus a baby. And I look over, but Archie has got his head kind of, like, nuzzled on my arm, like, in my shoulder, and he's just smiling and sleeping. And it was just, like, something about that moment was just really peaceful and enjoyable and I, I, my back was in excruciating pain because i was like basically supporting myself from falling off the bed so i was probably sleeping with all kinds of pain i think i just really enjoy those kind of quiet moments where i get to kind of just spend time with him and and kind of watch him do things that are really kind of like just strangely human that you don't expect a baby to do um, and maybe they're really kind of insignificant and most people go, oh, well, yeah, I mean, of course he smiles. He's a, he's a human. He's a baby. But like seeing your own child smile for the first time or laugh at something so stupid as like you popping out from behind a cover uh, or a pillow or something, just it just fills you with such joy. So I think I just really like just spending time and, and making him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I agree with you. It's so... I do think I'm just amazed by every little thing that he does. And it's hard to even pinpoint what I love most about being a mom or about being a parent. But he's just he just feels like my little best friend. Like, I love hanging out with him. I think he's so funny. And I think being a parent, like, it just makes me feel like I think it helps me live in the moment. And I think that's something I struggle with because I'm always so future thinking and what's next. And like, I'm a definitely have anxiety so maybe being a parent helps me just be more in the moment i just love him i love everything about him i love everything about being a mom if it's anything that's shocked me about motherhood it's how much i love it because i think i even distinctly said like in my early 20s i think i told my parents that i didn't want children and now like being a mom i like can't imagine my life like not being a mom i just I just freaking love it. So thank you, babe, Mm -hmm. for being here today and being my guest and being so open and vulnerable on the podcast. I really, truly do appreciate you. No problem. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I love you so much. Love you too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And tune in next week for the last and final episode of Season 1 of New Mama's Podcast. Bye! Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mama's Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. Have a friend that would like this podcast? Share the love. Stay in touch. Definitely give us a follow on Instagram at New Mama's Podcast. I'd also love to continue the conversation with you on my personal account, so let's be friends. Slide into my DMs at Lena Forrestal. Finally, be sure to check out my blog at lenaforrestal.com for all things motherhood, homesteading, and recipes that both you and baby will love. Thanks again, and stay tuned for next week's episode.